Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the Lord. So glad to be here. I'm glad to be here as well. Now, if you're here last week, you know we got some caution tape out. We drew a line right here. Y'all remember that? God told Moses, He said, "Draw a line. Tell my people not to cross this line." And there's your trumpet that's going to sound. I'm coming down the mountain. If they're on the wrong side of the line, they're going to lose their life. You know what? There's going to be a trumpet sound. Jesus is coming back. He says, be on the right side of the line. David wrote a psalm and he says, God put these boundaries. He put these lines for me in pleasant places. Amen? Amen. In other words, he's not drawing these lines saying, don't cross this line to stay on this side of the line because I don't want you to have fun. I want you to stay on this side of the line so I can show you what fun really is. So, you know, the song, I was thinking about that line. We were singing this song about fighting my battles. Fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. How you fight your battles is being sold out. 100% sold out, 100% committed, 100% surrender your life to Jesus Christ, 100%. That's how you fight your battles. That's how you do it. There's a lot of one leg in, one leg out Christians. I see them every day. I saw them yesterday at a restaurant I went to. It hurt my heart to see them, what they were doing in there. People I know very well, one leg in, one leg out. I guarantee you're there in service right this morning, not in this building, but in another building. But yesterday, they were not uh, uh, exhibiting Christ whatsoever at all. They weren't Christ-like. You know what I'm saying? There was no difference between them and the world yesterday evening. They look just the same. But this morning they're, they're sitting in a church seat. That's not the way it's supposed to be, church. You, you don't cross the line during the week when it's inconvenient or convenient or whenever. Make compromises and then jump back on this side of the line for Sunday morning service. It's a life you're supposed to live. It's a sold out, full committed, full surrendered life. Amen. We're supposed to be on this side of the line. You sell out. You're not a sellout. There's a difference in being sold out and being a sellout. When you're, you sell out, I sell out, I forsake everything to follow Jesus Christ. Or you can be a sellout like Judas. Say, I'm going to follow you until somebody offers me some silver. And now I was sold out, but now I'm a sellout. There's too many sellouts. We need some people that sold out. Full, 100% committed, surrendered. And I had a couple of texts this week and phone calls and two people in here is probably going to say, well, uh, you're preaching to me because of that text. I'm not. Those texts are just confirmation of what the Lord put on my heart before you ever sent me the text or made the phone call. I guarantee you that. But I appreciate it because I do like confirmation. But it's about the line, about being sold out, about being fully committed. Having faith. What's faith? What is faith? Being fully committed. Surrendering 100%. This is the line. I'm not going to cross this line. Because this is the Word of God. And when I cross the line, I get further and further away from the Word and the words of truth. The only thing that is truth is the Word. And I'm getting further and further away from the truth when I cross the line. It don't matter who's picking their lines up and moving it. It don't matter what the other Christians are doing. You've got to set the line and you've got to keep it for yourself and your family. As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. This is the line. As for me and my household, you're going to get your rear end out of the bed. We're going to church on Sunday morning. You're going to cut that crap off the TV. Because I'm your daddy and I'm in charge. And for me and my household, we're not crossing this line. We're full on committed. 
I ain't had no coffee this morning. Now, faith is a substance. Hebrews chapter 11. I don't have... Jackie's going to do it this morning because I didn't give her anything because I didn't have anything. But I knew the Lord had something, so that's even better. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is being sure and being certain of the things not seen. Faith is being sure. I'm sure. I'm 100% sure. And I'm certain of the things I don't see. What Joshua's talking about, you can see things with your natural eye, things that are surrounding you, and it doesn't look good at all. It looks really bad. But if you can just have your eyes open into the spiritual realm, you can see that you're surrounded by something else. There's two angels holding these swords flaming like fire around you. There's angels everywhere around you. If you can just see into the spiritual realm, faith opens your eyes so you can see in the spiritual realm. You'll see things that other people don't see. They'll say, it's not looking good. And you'll say, yeah, it's looking real good. Yeah, but we're surrounded. Yeah, we're surrounded by something else. That's greater than that. Because greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. If he be for us, who can be against us? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's right there. That's good news. See, your physical eyes gives proof to the realities of this physical world. Your physical eyes gives proof to the realities of this physical world, right? Faith gives spiritual eyesight to the things in the spiritual realm. Sold out. Means believing that this word right here is true. Even though you can't see these things with your natural eyes, but I believe it's true. That's faith. And I'm full on committed to this word's true. And I believe it. Can't see it? I believe it. Call things that are not as though they were. I believe it. It's coming. See, we're not into this thing. Uh, uh, you don't seek understanding so that you can believe. You believe that you may understand. It's just like healing. If we're going to wait till you see it to believe it, you're not going to see it. Go to Mark chapter 11. In the book of Mark, the 11th chapter, it, uh, Jesus is talking right here. And he says in the 22nd verse, he says, Jesus answered them, says, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Notice there it says, speak to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe, believe that those things which you're uh, saying, believe whatever you say will be done. And then you'll have whatever you say. If you've got to wait till you see it to believe it, you're going about it backwards. That's not faith. That's any idiot can do that. That's like saying, you believe I'm standing right here. Well, duh. That's like saying, I believe I got money in my checking account when your checking account says you got money. But you say, no, my checking account shows I have no money and I need to pay this bill. But I'm going to stand on this word that says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm a tither. I've been given. He says he'll open up a window of heaven, pour out blessings I can't contain. He said, you give, it's given back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over me and give to your bosom. And that's the word I'm going to stand on. I don't see it, but I believe it. 
I feel like Caleb Gordon up here. I never talked this fast before, I don't think. I had lunch with him this week. Maybe he rubbed off on me. I don't know. Back to Hebrews, 11th chapter, the 6th verse. We read the first and second verse right here. Skip on down right here, the 6th. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is... And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligently seek Him. Faith. You can't, you can't uh, please God without faith. You can go out and do anything you want. You cannot please God without faith. That's why in Jeremiah 29, 11, guess what? It says, seek, not 11, but the 13th verse. It says, seek Him with your whole heart. Not with your big toe, not one leg in, one leg out. Don't give Him half your heart and give the tide, roll tide, the other half your heart. Or whatever it is, the other half of your heart. But to give Him your whole heart. Seek Him with your whole heart. Faith. That's how you please Him. You seek Him with your whole heart. You're full on committed. You're full on surrendered. I'm all in. I'm sold out for this thing. What else is there? What else is there? Because it's all going to pass away. It's all going to be eat up, rust, uh, uh, moth, rust. They're going to corrupt it. It's going to be gone. This world is going to burn. It's all going to burn. It's meaningless. It's nothing. The only thing that matters is Him. Eternity is real. And He's calling us this morning to be sold out. Sold out. Not sold out on Sunday from 10.30 to 12 or ever how long I preach. But sold out every day, every minute of your life. Does that mean you're not going to make any mistakes? No, we all make mistakes. But I'm going to make the right decision that's going to overshadow my mistakes. And I'm going to make the decision I'm going to be sold out. I'm going to stay on this side of the line. Satan stands on the other side of the line. He's tempting you. He's saying, come on over here. It's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal. We, we were on the other side of the line and you couldn't get back. You were on the other side of the line of unrighteousness in the place of sin. You were a slave to sin. You were in a prison. You couldn't get out of it. It was right there. Let's just pretend it was right there. You're a slave of sin. Unrighteousness. Right there. You can't get out. And here's the line. And on this side's righteousness. This side's holiness. And Jesus got you out of the slave of sin, crossed the line, put you on this side. Now you're a slave of righteousness. This is a noun, not a verb, a noun. That's who you are, a sinner, a slave to sin. You a slave. You in bondage. You in sin. He got you out. Now that he's got you out, we get into sin, which is a verb. And then therefore we create our own prison. Why in the world, after he got us out, he went to a cross, died, shed his blood, got us out of prison. Would we want to do stupid things and get into sin and try to get back to where we came from? It's like a dog returning to its vomit. That's what the scripture says. Don't go back. And if you've ever received full forgiveness and experienced the grace of God and been on this side, they can't throw you back. But there's too many people with one leg. They like it over there. They they like it over there. I mean, the blood of Jesus is good and all. I receive my forgiveness. I'm on this side of the line. But I'm just going to keep a little piggy over here on this side because there's a few worldly things I just don't want to let go of. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've done it. He's going to hang on to just a little bit of it. Full commitment. Full commitment.
is what he's calling us to. Look in, uh, uh, let's look in Luke right here. Luke, the fifth chapter. A sold out church, fully committed, surrendered to him. Luke, the fifth chapter. Let's see. Let's just start right here in the second verse of Luke. A fifth chapter, second verse. Jesus is there and he, he stood by the lake, the crowd's pressing around. And the second verse it says, He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. They had been out there washing, they hadn't caught anything, they already gave up, now they're washing their nets out. He got into one of the boats there, the third verse, which is Simon's. Simon Peter's who it was, and he asked him, He said, Put out from the land. He sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He's been fishing all night. He ain't caught a thing. Now Jesus says, let's go back out there. You fish at night. When it's 100 degrees and the water's crystal clear, you don't catch anything in the day, go back and study it. They fish at night. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. No, we've worked hard. We've been trying hard. We've been trying hard. We've been toiling. We've been trying to fix it. I've been trying to pay it. I've been trying to solve the problem. I've been trying to do it. But I can't. We tried. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. That's a big kicker right there. I've been trying. I can't do it. But your word says I can. Nevertheless, at your word. I'm full on committed right here to your word. Therefore, let's push out and let down the nets. He pushed out let down the nets. He says, when he had done this, the sixth verse, they caught a great number of fish, so many that their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled boats, both the boats. Both the boats began to sink because they had such a great catch that their boats were sinking. They'd been fishing all night on their own, trying to do it on their own, but they couldn't. Jesus comes, one word, changed everything. They surrendered to that word. Peter yielded that word. He did what that word said. He let down his nets. Now both their boats are sinking because they got such a great catch. Boy, things have changed. They fished all night. I don't know how I'm going to pay the power bill. I don't know what I'm going to tell Susie when I get home and I I don't have any money because I didn't catch any fish and I didn't sell the fish and I'm a fisherman. That's what I do for a living. So how are we going to buy any groceries? What are we going to do? I've been trying real hard to fix these financials. I've been trying. She's going to be mad at me. She doesn't tell me if I come home empty-handed again, she's going to make me go stay with my mama. But boy, things change. They got two boatloads. They're going to pay their power bill and their neighbor's power bill. And Simon Peter saw this. He said he fell down onto his knees. He says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And everybody was astonished at the catch. Going down 10th verse says, Do not be afraid. From now on, I will make you catchers of men. And then the 11th verse, So that when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. This is what they did for a, a, a living. They were fishermen. He had a couple boats and some men out there and some nets. May not seem like that big of a deal to you, but it, it's their business. That's how they made their living. That's all they knew. He fell on his knees. He said, I don't deserve this blessing. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I shouldn't even be in your presence, Jesus. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of man. Come on, follow me. 
He forsook everything. That's full-on surrender commitment. When you, you worked your whole life to build a business, and all of a sudden now, Jesus is more important than what you've been trying to do your whole life and what you've been trying to accomplish your whole life. I'm going to forsake all that, and all eyes are on you. It's like if you'll focus on, Jesus said, if you'll focus on me, I'll focus on the rest of it for you. But he forsook it all. Today's title of the sermon is The Five Biscuit Blessing. You want the five biscuit blessing. You're going to want it. But you get it from surrender, from being fully committed. That's how you get it. You say, well, you know what? I haven't been fully surrendered. I haven't been fully committed. I've been living one leg out. I've been living one leg in. I'm on sometimes. I'm off sometimes, whatever. And God's still blessing me. Yeah, he blessed Peter too. Brings up an actual point. Glad you asked the question. Why is he blessing you with one leg in, one leg out? Why does he do that? Why in the world would God do that? Let's flip over here to Romans in the second chapter in the fourth verse. He, he blessed Peter. Peter fell up there, fell on his knees, and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He led him to repentance. And in Romans, the second chapter, the fourth verse, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Maybe recently you've had a blessing. It makes no sense because you don't think you deserve it. And you don't. None of us deserve it. Jesus deserved it for you. But you say, I've been living one leg in, one leg out. Why would he bless me? Why would he open this door and create these things for me? To lead you to repentance because he wants you to be sold out for him. He doesn't lead you to him with a stick and beat you over the head like I'm doing right now. He, he, he leads you to him by blessing him and, and, and with love. I'm kidding, I ain't beating you over the head with a stick. I'm just preaching the Word of God right here, the truth. That's why He's been blessing you. I don't deserve it. God's good. His goodness, He's trying to lead you to repentance. Amen? You were in Luke. Just stay right there if you are in Luke. Flip over a few pages right there to the 18th verse. Let's look at a contrast right here. The 18th verse. I mean the 18th chapter, I'm sorry. I don't know what verse, but I'll find it. 18.18 Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but one. That's God. He said, you know the commandments? And he quotes a few commandments. He said, you know the commandments? 21st, he said, and he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. I've kept these things. I've I've been committed, Jesus. I've kept these things. From a legalistic standpoint, I have kept these things. I have kept the book of the law even from my youth. I'm not going against that law. I've kept it even from my youth. Like I said, from a legal, legal standpoint, he's not guilty. Jesus said in the 22nd verse, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have. Sell it all. Distribute it to the poor. 
And you have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And Jesus goes on to say that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean he doesn't want you to be rich? By all? No, he wants you to have a lot of money so you can bless other people with it. But what he's saying is it's hard for that man. If that man didn't have any money. If his checking account had a big old fat zero and Jesus said, come on and follow me, he's got nothing to leave behind. He don't have anything. But basically what he looked at is he said, I can follow Jesus, but I've got to leave all this money because I'm a rich young ruler and people know my name and I'm popular and I got a million dollars in the bank and I've worked hard for it and, and I got this inheritance, but he wants me to sell it to help the poor. And now I've got to put all my tr- trust and faith and be fully committed that he's going to take care of me. And he chose the money over the commitment, over the surrender. He didn't sell out. He was a sellout. God's not against money. He uses money. He uses money to make this microphone right here go through those speakers. It's a good thing. When I leave here, I want to eat somewhere. It's going to take money to do it. But you can't love. It's the love of money. He wants you to love him and love him more than you do the money. See, Peter sold out. He walked away, gave up everything. This man missed out on everything because he wasn't willing to give up his money. Two endings, the story ends different. Peter goes on and inherits the king of the kingdom. He says, on this rock, this revelation that you were given by the Holy Spirit, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And then Peter, we all know him. We all know him. He he led 3,000 people to the Lord. He started the church. That's what he's remembered for. The rich young ruler is remembered for the love of his money. Abraham. Abraham wants a child and God said, I'm going to give you a child. It's going to be a, the promised seed and you're going to have this baby. You and Sarah in your old age. But the task looked a little too hard for him. So he decided, him and Sarah decided to take matters into their own hand. They bring the maidservant in, get her involved. And Abraham has a child through her, with her, with Hagar. And the son's name's Ishmael. That wasn't God's plan. That's not what God told him to do. God said, you're going to do this. Have faith in this. Surrender to this. Be committed to this. He took matters into his own hands. He did this. Fast forward. Abraham and Sarah do have a child. The child's name is Isaac. It is the promised seed. It's the seed. It's what God promised. Here's the child. Now, here's Isaac. Abraham was the father of faith. Abraham trusted God so much, he left everything he knew and just went. Didn't even know where he was going. God just said, come on, let's go, Abraham. Let's go this way. And Abraham, he was the father of faith. God did have his attention. He was a follower. He was committed. He was surrendered to Him. You can't leave everything you know and walk away from it and not be surrendered to God. But when Isaac comes on the scene, now Isaac gets Abraham's attention. And now Abraham's got a lot of focus on Isaac because this is a gift from God in my old age. And then he began, he's loving Isaac so much. I, I think that Isaac's now starting to come between him and the Lord. And the Lord said, take Isaac up to the mountain Burn offering to me. That means take that son you love so much, your only son, 
God didn't even acknowledge Ishmael. He said, take your only son, Isaac, and go to Moriah. Go up there, sacrifice him to me. Your only son. Because that's the one I gave you. He didn't even acknowledge the one he mustered up on his own strength. That's because he doesn't acknowledge your works because your work is as filthy rags unto the Lord. You know what a filthy rag is? It's a filthy rag. A rag. If y'all know what that means without me just getting really disgusting, that's what it means. That's what your works, your effort, your righteousness is to that to God. He says, take him up there. So Abraham takes Isaac up there, puts him on the altar, straps him down. He's got a knife. Angel of the Lord says, don't kill him. The next thing you know, a ram's right over there hung in the bushes. It gets the ram. And now God provided a sacrifice for them. Can you imagine Abraham coming home without Isaac? Oh, Sarah had her sacrifice, wouldn't she? But the whole time that that Abraham is surrendered... And committed and trusting the Lord and taking his prized possession up the mountain. The whole time he's going up this side of the mountain, don't you know God's sending the ram up the other side of the mountain? It was coming the whole time. And people say, well, God wanted Abraham to prove to God that he was faithful. So now he can use him. God knows the beginning from the end. He knew what Abraham was going to do before he ever told him to go up the mountain. He knew what Abraham was going to do before Isaac was ever even born. He didn't do it. So, uh, God didn't do it so he would know that he could trust Abraham. He did it for Abraham. So he, Abraham would know that he could trust God. And whatever he tells you to do, no matter how outlandish it is, surrender, sold out, full committed. All of you, all of me, all of my heart. He could have said, no, this is more important than you. This is my only son right here. He's more important than your word. Can't you imagine old Isaac, after he grows up, Abraham's gone and Isaac's having some issues and this is totally just sidebar, I'm kidding. I've just, it just came to me. Isaac's laying in the psychiatrist's office. And he says, so what's your problem? And he starts explaining his childhood. Well, one time when I was a little boy, my daddy, he, uh, he strapped me down up there on that altar. He's fixing to stab me with a knife. And uh, my dad also invented circumcision. He tried it out on me. Anyway. So I'm kind of <laughs> kind of scarred from that. <laughs> kind of scarred from that. There's a little boy in the Bible. Jesus is preaching to this multitude. There's 5,000 men. It says not counting women and children. Maybe there's 5,000 women. Maybe there's 5,000 children. We don't know. There's no record of it. But there's 5,000 men. And it's time for every. It's late in the evening. It's time for everybody to eat. They're hungry. Nobody's got any food. Y'all familiar with that story? And there's a little boy, and he's got him a basket like this one right here. It might not look this cool, but it was something like this. 
Now, I'll tell you, when I got here this morning, this is the only part of the sermon I had. Everything up until now I got when I was in my office while y'all were in Sunday school. But he had this basket right there. And uh, so how in the world are we going to feed all these people? There's thousands of people. Nobody's got any, there's nobody got any food. Well, this little boy, though, this one little boy, he's got, he's got a basket, two fish and five loaves. Two fish and five loaves, that's what he's got. And they brought the little boy up there with his two fish and five loaves. And five loaves is really five biscuits. If you look it up and study it, the fish are like sardines. And loaves are like a biscuit. What we call a biscuit. He had two sardines and five butter biscuits. His mama sent them with him. You tell me out of 5,000 people that nobody had nothing to eat, not one single person had anything to eat, where'd their food go? Everybody ate everything except one kid. Maybe he's the only kid who's willing to give what he had. Maybe he's the only one that was willing to surrender his basket to the Lord. And he brought his fish. He brought everything that he had to the basket. I mean to the Lord. Everything he had in his basket. It's amazing that he still had his basket. That his mama gave him. She packed him a lunch before he left that day. The generation before gave him something. And he held on to it the whole time. Those fish had been in there for eight hours. They were kind of stinky. And then biscuits was kind of greasy. There's probably some flies and junk on them. But he ain't turning loose to what mama gave him. He's not turning loose to what the generation of the past gave him. But the church today has turned loose to what the generation in the past has given us. They ain't got no basket. They ain't got no fish. Because that's inconvenient. I'm not going to carry this, these traditions around with me because this is more fun. I know mama told me not to go out drinking, but you know, I just like it. I like the nightlife. That's just old school stuff. It's just a couple joints, not that big a deal. It's just a little worldly stuff. It's just a little bit. It's just a couple chihuahua nuggets in my brownies. Chihuahua nuggets. That's dog poopy in your brownies. It's not that big a deal. Somebody asked what? They weren't here last, but they didn't get that. <laughs> Who cares what mama says? She just don't want us to have no fun. This little boy held on to what mama said. Anyway, he's got his basket. He says, here you go. Here's my basket. Here's my fish and my five biscuits. But so many people don't want to let go of what's in their basket. They, they want to be about 95 com- percent committed, surrendered, but they're going to hang on to a little bit. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'll drive uh, the church bus. I'll pick some people up. I'll go to a prayer group or I'll do a long list. I'll go out and do some community service. I'll do, but I got this money right here. I got this money issue, this money bag right here. I just don't know I don't, about that tithe and offering thing. I mean, I work too hard for my money, so I, I'm almost sold out, but not completely sold out. I can't let, I'm going to keep this right here in my basket. I'm going to give God everything but this. Full surrender. It don't work like that. He didn't go to the cross and give us almost all of it. He went to the cross and gave us every bit of it. He didn't go to the cross and consume almost all the sin. He went to the cross and consumed all the sin. He gave it all for us and we just going to give Him a little bit when it's convenient. Come on now. You got to get that junk out of your basket. Give it to him. Give it to him. I'm gonna, I got a few more things in here. You know what? I do tithe. I do pray. I do read the Word of God to church every Sunday. 
that I just can't help myself. I mean, HBO and Cinemax, those movies, I mean, just because they drop GD about 10, 12 times every time I watch it and drop the F-bomb, and then my kids are running around dropping the F-bombs too because they've heard it on the TV. I mean, but everything, I'm committed to everything else except that. <clears throat> I, I, mean, I like movies. I couldn't find a movie in my house that was bad to y'all. I have to just pretend this one's bad. But you got to get that out of your basket. CDs, trash, get them out. The trash, get them out. Don't leave them. Don't give him everything but that. I'm going to give him everything except, well, I got some pride issues right here. A bag of pride. So I know it's a Walmart bag. I bought it up there. $10. Pride. Because I got this. I've got this. I mean, God, I need you to forgive me for my sins. There's a lot of things I need from you. But hey, as far as uh, being the man and being the provider and doing certain things, I got this. I got this. You don't have this. If you had it, you'd already done it. If you had it, if you, if you could do everything, guess what? Jesus wouldn't have had to go on the cross and die for you. We could have just nailed you to the cross. But you know what? I used to think I had it. I used to think I had it, and I, I, I would try to be everything to everybody, mainly my wife. I wanted to be her Savior. For 13 years, I wanted to be her Savior. She didn't need me to be her Savior. She needed to be her husband that was devoted and sold out and surrendered his life to the Savior. But I wanted to be her Savior. I wanted to give her everything that I could, provide the living house, everything, just be everything. I wanted to be her. I tried to be her Savior, and I couldn't. I ran out of resources and realized I couldn't do it. I couldn't even buy a Little Caesar's pizza. Broke, busted, and disgusting. But I was, had this pride and I carried it around. I held it as long as I could until I absolutely had to ask for help because I couldn't feed my own children. And then I had to get that pride out of there. I'm not her Savior. You're not no, your wife's Savior. You're not your husband's Savior. You're not your kid's Savior. You ain't nobody's Savior. He's your Savior. Don't buy it, try to be the provider. You just provide to them what He provides to you. I'm still the provider. I still go to work and provide for my family. But now I'm not looking to me for the provision. I'm looking to Him for the provision. And then it just flows through me to others. I forgive everybody on my list except that one dude. That one dude. Or that one lady. Or that one person can't forgive my parents for what they did or what they didn't do. And you, you, you give your life to the Lord. You surrendered everything except just that one thing. And you, you ain't going to give me a whole basket. You're going to carry around a little unforgiveness. Last time this morning, you got to empty your basket out. You got to give the Lord your whole basket. I don't even know what this is. This is something bad. I'm not doing drugs anymore. I've been on drugs for years. And they've wrecked my life, ruined things, lost my money, lost my friends, lost my family, lost my husband, lost my wife, lost different things. I'm done, Lord, I'm done. But I'm just going to keep a few grams, you know, hid out in my bottom drawer just in case I want to snort me a line a little later on. You know, have a bad week or something, need a little bump. Some people's done that. You know what I'm talking about. I want to save a few pills just in case. 
I'm going to save a couple of joints just in case. I mean, I know I came to the altar, I gave it to the Lord, but these last two joints, just hang on for them just in case. We just have a little party. I really want to get the spirit moving. That's right. That's not real cocaine. Don't y'all crash the stage at the service trying to get that. What else we got in here? Well, Lord, I'm going to give you everything, but I want to hang on to one six-pack. I know I've had a problem drinking, and it's kind of caused some problems in my marriage, and I'm going to quit drinking for the most part, but I'm just going to keep that one six-pack down there in the bottom drawer, my refrigerator down there in the crisper. Won't nobody see it. Granny won't see it when she comes over because i got a hit out down there. It's under the lettuce. I just want to keep that right there, Michelob Ultra, low calories, won't even get me fat. Keep a couple of them beers around, just in case. Had somebody didn't like my sermon. Jesus drank. No, he didn't. He didn't. When did he drink? He turned the water into wine, didn't say he drank it. What about with his disciples? He gave them a drink. But see, if you're so simple-minded that you think that's what that scripture means, you need to seek the Lord and ask Him to reveal some things to you. He turned the water into wine. Remember, He said, it's not my time. My time's not yet come. Why are you bothering me with it? His time was coming, but His time hadn't come yet. Go read, go study the scriptures. Moses, the ministry of death, He turned the water into blood, which was death. All Everything in that water died. The ministry of death. Jesus comes along. He's going to turn the water into wine, which represents new life, a new beginning, abundant life. It represents a party, but He hadn't gone to the cross yet. Therefore, that hadn't been accomplished. That's why he said, my time's not yet come. But he turned the water into wine. That's why he says, don't mix the new wine into the old wineskins. Jesus didn't have to drink it. He was it. He says, here, drink my blood. This is my body. This bread is broken. This is my blood that was shed. It was him. Eat of me. Drink of me. Anyway. That's a one leg, one leg out. That's, a, that's one leg in and one leg out. Here's the line. Jesus, what you did was pretty good. But, but this, is, you know, this is pretty good too. So I'm just going to do one leg over here and one leg back over here. Hey, you can't compare a cold beer to the blood of Jesus. You can't compare a joint to it. You can't compare money to it. You can't compare a girlfriend when you're married and you ought not be out with some other girl to it. It's flirting. Like I said, the whole, a whole bottle of whiskey will get you drunk, but one little sip won't. Well, going out to a hotel with some other woman when you're married will get you a divorce. But just looking at her and undressing with your, with your eyes won't. What's God say about that? You've already done it in your heart. Why flirt with it? Why flirt with it? Why sip it? Anna, y'all come up, whatever you want to sing, get ready, and I'm fixing clothes. This little boy goes up. He's got this basket with two fish and five biscuits. What if this little boy would have gave him two fish and four biscuits? 
He said, I can't give everything. I can't surrender all that I have and all that I am. I can't be fully committed. I can't totally sell out. I'm going to hang on to a little pride. I'm going to hang on to a little unforgiveness. I'm going to hang on to a little money. I'm going to hang on to my stash. What? I'm going to hang on to this one biscuit. But Lord, I still want you to bless me as if I've given the fifth biscuit. I got a biscuit left over from Wednesday. That's the fifth biscuit right there. And some of you's hanging on to your fifth biscuit. Your basket's not empty. Those fish are gone. Four biscuits are gone. But that fifth biscuit's still in there. Lord, where are you at? I just don't feel your presence like I used to. I've been praying, but I don't feel like they're getting past the ceiling and things. I just, it just ain't, and all these excuses. He just says, sell out. Just sell out. Come on, experience the fifth biscuit blessing. Just give me that fifth biscuit. The fifth biscuit can't provide to you what God can provide to you. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 